coming up on today's episode of the Money Pant Superpower Hour. Today we're going to talk about the best way to resolve fights between family members in the court of mom and dad. First, we'll talk about what cases should be thrown out by the judge and how to prevent chronic tattling. Next, we'll discuss why spending a little more time resolving fights now actually saves you time and energy in the future. We'll share the secret of how to effectively turn a fight into a teaching moment, and we'll talk about ways to help de-escalate anger and avoid repeat offenses by using money pants. All this and more, but first, the joke of the day. So I was driving my car when I accidentally ran into the back of another driver's car. It was totally my fault. So I got out, and to my surprise, the other driver was a dwarf. He stormed up to me and he said, I am not happy. And I said, well, which one are you? And that, Your Honor, is how the fight started. Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Money Pants Superpower Hour. We are your hosts, Hannah and Fontaine Judd, and we're the proud parents of eight sons and seven daughters, ranging in age from newborn to college student. We're both BYU graduates and the creators of Money Pants. Head on over to CaptainMoneyPants.com to learn more about what we do and what we're all about. We believe every person on this planet has been given at least one superpower to help them accomplish their unique mission in life. But the only way to unlock those superpowers is through work ethic. That's when greatness happens. And that's where Money Pants comes in. Money Pants is the complete tool set for cultivating work ethic in all aspects of a person's life. And it's kind of awesome. Today's topic is about fighting. And Hannah, we've, we've talked about this in the past. We've, we've mentioned it in several different podcasts where, you know, fighting is something we don't want. It's something we don't uh, actually advocate. Matter of fact, we talk about, you know, the whole team. We're, we're part of the team. And you don't want infighting in the team. It just brings the whole team down. It's a bad, it brings a bad vibe into the home and it undermines what you're trying to accomplish. But we've never been like explicit as to how to deal with, with fights per se. And so we want to kind of talk today about some of what we think are seven great, like concrete steps you can take to, to resolve fights at home where pretty much everybody leaves feeling better about themselves. That, so that's what we want to talk about today is like the seven steps to resolving fights at home. Um, but before that, I think we should probably start off with some, with some stories. And we came up with three, I think, very appropriate stories and but, well, the first one was when you were, I don't know, how old were you? you I was a young adult, probably like when Trixie Okay, so maybe in your early, early 20s? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I was at church, and I took the baby out in the hall um, during the women's group class and because uh, the baby was fussing. And uh, soon thereafter, a friend of mine comes out to stand in the hall with me. And she didn't have her baby with her. And I was like, you know, she there was no reason for her to come out of the class. And I said, so why are you out here? <laughs> and she goes, I, I just, they're singing a song called Love at Home right now. And I, um, I, I, I can't listen to it. I, I just can't stand that song at all. And I was like, oh, it struck me as funny. I'm like, oh, Love at Home. Okay, what's, what's I have to hear this. What's up? And she's like, well... I'm the oldest of eight children, and when my uh, brothers and sisters and I would get in a fight, my mom would have us give each other a hug and or, or sit on a bench hugging each other and sing Love at Home together. And we'd always be pinching each other as hard as we could, but we weren't couldn't show it on our faces. <laughs> and we would sing that song, and she goes, to this day, I cannot listen to that song without getting mad. <laughs> So anyway, so it was funny because, you know, I would have thought that if somebody had told me of this idea, I would go, oh, that sounds like a nice idea. No, I know parents who espouse things like that, where yeah. you both have to hold hands and stare into each other's eyes across from the table, or both feed each other food, or what, you know, something like yes, that. You, you and, hear all these silly ideas. And, and instead, and, it ruined a perfectly good song, yeah, you know. <laughs> she's PTSD with a, with a church song now. <laughs> So, so, so sometimes you have ideas of these things because you're like, I'd like to make this more positive. I want my kids to be friends. But that one, and it, didn't but it didn't. Quite you know, work. it was uh, well intentioned, and right. you know, I would have you know tried that out if 
I hadn't talked to. <laughs> Did we, we hadn't talked to her first. Yeah. <laughs> to her first. We're like, okay, well, that one doesn't work. <laughs> All right, I'll cross that one off. <laughs> so that's our first story. The second mm-hmm. story, Hannah, again, this was all you because I wasn't there, but you woke up and... Oh, yeah. Last week. Last week. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Screaming. So Saturday morning, the day that everybody gets to sleep in. That's my uh, favorite, by the way, is getting woken up to screaming. Yeah. Woke up to somebody screaming bloody murder in the other room. And I thought, oh, not my favorite way to wake up. And, you know, typically I would, you know, probably go out and say, hey, everybody get back to bed. You guys are in trouble. You know, everybody back to their rooms. And instead, I went out and I followed some good steps. I, I, I felt really good about how I solved the problem. And so instead of doing my normal thing of jumping to conclusions of, hey, you guys are all fighting. I'm punishing all of you. Instead, I said, okay, what's going on? And I had each of them explain to me what happened. And it was my two boys, my eight-year-old and my six-year-old. And I had them explain to me each what happened. And I, I, re- I repeated back to them. I'm like, so, you know, you know, you were doing this and this and this, and this is what happened. And, you know, and they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I asked the other one and repeated his story back. And, and I put the two stories together and I was like, okay. So basically what happened was my six-year-old had woken up early Saturday morning and was getting his Saturday job done you know, mopping the dining room floor. And his brother had strolled in there with a bowl of cereal. The eight-year-old. The eight-year-old strolled in there with the bowl of cereal to sit down in the dining room that was being mopped. And as soon as he stepped one toe in there, the other, the six-year-old yelled at him, get out of here, I'm doing my job. (laughs) And and, which was offensive to the eight-year-old. And so he just ignored him. And he sat down because he wanted to sit in there because it was warmer in there and it was cold in the house that morning. So that was that was the story. And apparently it turned into one of them hitting the other one and, and a whole mess. And so I said, okay, well, unfortunately, both of you get fees. And I explained why. I'm like, okay, you can't be yelling at people or hitting them. And you, you know, that, you know, just ignoring someone, not even acknowledging them when they're telling you, hey, I'm doing my job. That's not appropriate. That's not being a peacemaker. You weren't trying to make the situation any better. No, you did everything you could to make it. Yeah. Make your brother upset. Yeah. And, um, and so I said, you know, both of you go get a dollar, come bring it to my room. So one at a time they came to my room and I said, okay, so what's, what's this dollar for? And they, you know, had them explain to me why they were paying a dollar. And, and then came the good part. I quickly turned it to, hey, what, what could you have done differently? So I, I told my six-year-old who, you know, has a bit of a temper. I said, hey, next time, you know, you didn't want him walking in there messing up your job. But what could you do next time? Oh, okay, maybe ask him politely. Okay, maybe suggest that he eat at the other place or, you know, work with him, work with him. And, but ask, ask nicely for the things that you want and follow, follow the, the steps, the five steps that we've talked about. And, and then, and he's like, okay, okay. So he already knew. He already knew. What he could have done differently. Okay. But, but just going back over it, having him tell me, and then, Did you, you know, ask the eight-year-old what he could have so done? And so the eight-year-old... I said, okay, so, so he, you know, you were upset because he yelled at you. What could you have done differently? Did you ask him that? Yeah. And he was like, well, I, I could have gone out. And I'm like, yeah, you, you, you could have stepped out and said, hey, I don't like you yelling at me. But go ahead and step out and hmm. say, I don't like you yelling at me. And then you should ask for what you want. Say, hey, I'm really cold. It's warmer in here. If I'm if I don't mess up your floor, can I sit here? Or if I help you here? Now, did he volunteer that, or did you have to tell him that? I, I had to give him some ideas because he didn't. But know I what saw to do. his little brain like all of a sudden light bulbs going off. Oh, that of, would have been a better idea. Oh, okay, okay, <laughs> okay. And so it it, it just kind of changed it. So all of a sudden it was like a learning a learning experience. And so I wasn't mad at all, and I was richer. 
And <laughs> so I didn't and feel went, as and bad. And you went back to bed happy. Yeah, but I thought, okay, <laughs> the chance of this happening tomorrow morning is a little bit lower, you know, uh, of waking up to, to screaming and fighting. And they're going to think twice about it and maybe be a little bit better at solving mm. their own problems. Right. But then the same week, here the story next story, story same, number three. same same six year old I'm upstairs um I, I doing some other things and busy with some other things and he comes up and goes oh, guess what so and so did there bother and I said wait a second wait a second hun did you follow the five steps to try to solve the problem on your own. And our kids all know what that means, the five steps of being a peacemaker. Yeah, and and we've gone over these many times with him because we've really been working on this with him. And he looked at me, he goes, no. <laughs> and I said, okay, go do that first and, you, and, and try to solve the problem yourself first. But you got to do that first before you bring the problem to me. Okay, mom. And he ran off and I didn't hear any more screaming or stuff in the background and he never came back so and to this day we haven't seen him so if you see a little six-year-old boy running around with a very large head let us know (laughs) so uh but no but i I like okay i like those three stories the first one is great because it's kind of like an adult feedback on a childhood punishment of yeah maybe maybe that wasn't the most effective but the second was like your own experience of you did do the right thing and you felt good about it and so did the kids. Yeah. And then the third one was basically you're nipping it in the bud. Like you didn't even have to solve a fight. You, you solved the fight before it began, yeah. basically. And I, I like all, I like all three of those. Well, those are good. Well, the second one, it was just, it was nice because it went, when I was talking to them individually, it had them focused on their actions and right. what was in their power. As opposed to pointing the finger at the other person. Yeah, or pointing it at them, saying, you did this wrong, oh. you did that wrong, you did that wrong. Well, it, it, it felt a lot better because it, the focus was on teaching and it was on their individual choices, what was in their power and right. in their control. So they didn't feel like they were a victim of something or focusing on what the other person did. It just turned the conversation to what choices they had and what correct choices. And, and while acknowledging, hey, the other person did some things wrong too, but what you could have done right. um, it, n- next time. And it also let them know that I didn't want them to get a fee next time. Right. And so it was just kind of a positive, you turn something, a fight, into actually a, something kind of positive. It was a, like a teaching moment, but also you didn't lose your temper. And it was just kind of all the way around better. A better way of approaching yeah, it. Yeah, it, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't, uh, I wasn't making them sing songs or do anything like... Oh, and the focus wasn't on the punishment either. It was on preventing future issues yeah. and giving them giving them tools and, and things to like, how do you prevent this in the future? Like, well, and, and also motivations. Yeah, and everybody felt understood. Like, it wasn't right. like, it, because I took... I took the time to listen to them, and they they all had their opportunity. They didn't feel like mom would have not done this if she had known what had really happened. Oh yeah, have or, you ever had that? Hannah, have you ever been accused of something that that was not true, but you never had the opportunity to like explain yourself? Like I think every kid has gone through that, where the teacher assumes they know, or the principal assumes they know, or the coach assumes they know what happened, and the kids like. I'm misunderstood yet again. And of course this happens to adults too, but I'm just talking like kids. Like I I can think of countless experiences in my life where I was accused of things that I didn't do whether it was whether it was when we were playing a sport or we we're at recess or it was in class or it doesn't matter like it just it would happen because teachers have 30 students and something goes wrong and there's three kids and it's like I'll just punish all three and move on. Like it's it's too easy and parents the same way. The parents are busy, don't have time to deal with it. This just move on. Like, punish everybody and move on. Well, that's, you know, what's horrible is I actually had parents who were very good at listening. And as an adult, I'm horrible at listening, even though I had the good example from my parents. And so I'll be busy and I, I'll be like, I don't want to listen to that. I don't want to hear that. I'm sick of fighting or I don't want to. It's the same old, same old. I, I don't need to hear this. Mm-hmm. 
And so I don't want to take the time to listen to somebody's stupid fight. Well, Hannah, it's easier just to administer punishments. It really is. Yeah. It's so much easier just to everybody give me, you know, a dollar. Everybody go clean walls or everybody go outside rather than listening because then you end up punishing the innocent. Yeah. But, But it ends up actually, I found that it actually ends up causing a, when you don't do that, Causes it more causes, problems in the future. It causes yep. more problems uh-huh. and more fights in the future. Because more frustration. Because you're, not, because you're not actually resolving the problem and it's going to fester. Yes. And that's what, and and so, so that's what we're talking so about today. So I thought I was saving time by going, oh, you know what? All of you, you're all in trouble. I'll go to your rooms or all, you know, I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear it is what I would often say. I don't want to hear it. Because you don't. I don't. That's it's true. It's like annoying. I don't want to hear it. But it, but that's actually what we were doing, and I'm, I'm guilty of this as well, Yeah, is I was it, actually engendering more problems in the future. Yeah. It wasn't actually resolving anything, and it actually made things worse instead of better. Well, going back to the whole team analogy, Hannah, if there's <clears> a problem between teammates and you don't resolve it properly, what's going to happen in the future next time there's a conflict? Is it going to magically resolve itself? Is is there are there going to be any underlying animosities from previous experiences? Yeah. Yeah. And eventually it's going to it's just going to keep going and going. You have to address it. You can't just keep like basically shoving it under the rug and saying both of you go to your room or need, like on a team, both of you are benched. Well, maybe that's maybe they both need to be benched, but maybe not. Maybe one person is egging the other person on. You you don't know. And so you really need to get to the bottom of it. Otherwise, yeah, it will and, continue. But also, even if, whatever the case, you need to resolve it. Whatever the case, you need to resolve the, the, the problem. Yeah, so it takes a little bit more time. Initially. It, uh, initially, it takes a little bit more time to uh, resolve mm-hmm. a problem appropriately and fairly. However, it, 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 in the long run, it Made. makes you make up for that. So don't don't think, hey, I'm saving time by not listening to this fight. It's it's not efficient. It's it's <laughs> efficient in the short run, but not efficient in the long run. And it'll play if you do it correctly. Again, a little bit, just a tiny bit more time in the beginning. Initially, it'll pay major dividends in the long run. And we've broken it down to what we think are, and there could be more or less, but we broke it down into seven basic steps to resolving fights in the home. Before we even get into that, I wanted to mention though, uh, or recap the five steps of being a peacemaker in the home. Cause you mentioned that Hannah, I just want to go over those real quick because I, I think those are really good. And we're going to reference this here in a minute. Yeah. But, and these are the steps you teach your kids for um, trying to solve their own problems. Yeah, and this, this is what you should really start with this is get everybody together and explain to them, Hey guys, we want you all to be to learn to be peacemakers and problem solvers rather than always having to deal with fights. You guys need to learn how to kind of come up with your own ways of dealing with problems because that's what people do. Like you need, everybody should have these skills. So, and we'll tell our kids, we'll say, hey, you know what, my little six-year-old child, if you find yourself getting frustrated or if you want to hit somebody or feel tempted to yell at them, it's time to stop what you're doing and, and just back up a second, get a little perspective and there are five things that you need to do um, rather than hitting or yelling. And here they are. Number one, step one is acknowledge and vocalize what it is that you are feeling. Yeah, tell the other person what you're feeling. So, well, Say. no, also to yourself, though. This is, a, this is an important step because you need to acknowledge to yourself, hey, I'm getting angry. Because a lot of times kids, it's knee jerk. I'm angry, I hit. Without even recognizing that they're angry, they're already you know, they've already escalated the problem. So the first step is actually to acknowledge to yourself, "I'm getting angry," and then to vocalize it to the other person. Say, "I'm getting upset," or "What you're doing is making like me that. angry," yeah, or "I don't like that," me. or "That's um, I'm getting annoyed," "I'm getting angry," "I'm getting upset," or "I feel scared." That's scaring. That's me. scaring. And here's the neat thing: is by vocalizing it, a like I said, it, it helps the person realize what they're feeling. Yeah. And a lot of times that goes a long way to alleviating the problem right there. Yeah, I don't like that. It's scaring me. But secondly, then the other person who may or may not be aware, they may just be goofing around and thinking you're enjoying or it's funny or you're both having a good time. As soon as you say, I'm getting upset, then they know, oh, wait, uh, they're not enjoying whatever activity it may be. I thought we were both enjoying it. Yeah, because a lot of times when my kids have gotten into fights and I'll ask them, one of the kids will be like, I thought they... I, w- I thought it was funny, and I thought they thought it was funny, too. I was too. pushing on the swing back and forth, and they kept screaming, and I thought they were we enjoying it. We were laughing. It. Yeah. He was laughing a minute ago, and I 
I thought he was enjoying it. I didn't mean to do that. But if the kid on the swing had said, Please, um, um, I'm getting scared, all of a sudden there's no confusion anymore, or I'm getting angry, or I don't like this, now there's no confusion. So that's the first step. And then, of course, the, the immediate next step would be to say what you want the other person to do. So I'm getting scared. Please stop pushing me on the swing. Um, or, you know, I want you to stop teasing me. I want you to leave me alone. I want you to go out of my job area, which is what our six-year-old should have said, instead of yelling at his eight-year-old brother when he came in in the morning with his bowl of cereal Saturday morning. And that story you just told a minute ago, instead of yelling at him, get out, he should have said, oh, hey, I'm busy mopping. Uh, you're going to mess up my job area. It's getting making me upset. Will you please go out? That would have been better. Or I want you to stop kicking me. You know, any one of so, these. Yeah, ask politely for the yeah, things that you what, want. So first, acknowledge what you're feeling and let the other person know what you're feeling. Second step, say what you what what you want the other person ask, to do. Ask for what you yeah. want. No, not say, ask. Ask for what you want. Well, yes ask, and no. Would you please? I want you to stop hitting yeah, me. Would you please? <laughs> I want you to stop taking my toys. I want you to stop coloring on my paper. Will you please stop? Yeah, but ask is politely. Ask is more polite. Would you please but do I, this? But you also know? need to be direct. Yeah. Uh, step three, then, if that doesn't stop the behavior, then here's a really great trick: is suggest another uh, activity, like, uh, hey, let's play a different game. Like maybe whatever you, whatever you two are doing, and the other person keeps teasing you. Say, hey, you know what? Let's play a different game. Or uh, why don't you go play with those toys over there? Like so kids are amazing. You, the power of suggestion is incredibly powerful for human beings. And just suggesting a different activity a lot of times is enough to resolve the problem. Um, or, you know, please go, please go to your own job area. Let's, like, yeah, let's do this instead. So make a suggestion. And we talk about this. Instead of saying no, redirect. Say what you should do. And so we're teaching our kids these same principles. Hey, what you're doing is making me upset. I don't like it. Please go out of my job area and go to your job area. Yeah. Okay. And then step four. If the person still won't leave you alone, then you need to go away. And maybe it just it's just one of those things where you were playing on the swing first and they came over and just started needling you and teasing you and bothering you. And you know what? The, the game that you guys decided to play isn't going so well and you suggest them doing a different activity and they don't, then you need to be the one to go away. You need, and this is going to make you learn to grow up a little bit where maybe you're going to have to sacrifice something that you were really enjoying, but for the sake of being a peacemaker, you're going to move away and go, you know, I'm going to go do something different. Mm -hmm. Now here's step five. If that still doesn't solve the problem and the person follows you wherever it is that you're going and still teases you, that's when you go and get mom and dad because you've done everything. You've done everything right. You've told them what you wanted. You asked them to, to leave you alone. Um, you suggested a different activity and you even went and did a different activity and they're still teasing or fighting or trying to get at you. Then that's when it's time to get mom and dad involved. So those, those are the five steps of being a peacemaker. And we, we teach our children this. And it it really makes the kids feel empowered, Hannah, where I think... That, where they know what they're supposed to yes, do. Where they, it's not it, like... It's a course of action that they're supposed to pursue. And it it's so helpful for a kid to know what to do. Cause, and we talk about this, Hannah, where kids get a lot of no. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't do... And, and there's a place for that. But, but they don't you, know what if, to do. Yeah, you have to teach them what to do. And that needs to be the emphasis. So uh, so, the, so just a quick recap. Those are, the, those are the five steps of being a peacemaker. Just kind of to throw that in there because we're going to come back to that in a second. But Well, because, yeah, when they're, when they're in this court of mom and dad, if there's been a problem, that's going to be one of the questions that they're asked. Exactly. Did you do these things that... Uh, steps of being a peacemaker. Yep. As a matter of fact, that'll be, well, we'll talk about that in a second. So today's topic, the seven steps to resolving fights in the home. And when resolving fights, and it's gotten to the point where mom and dad are involved, this is just like a court case where, except mom and dad are the judge, jury, and executioner, which is why it's so important that, that you kind <laughs> so of... So far, I haven't executed any of my kids, just <laughs> FYI. Not yet. <laughs> no. Um, and you know what, but moms and dads have a big job because you, you're, you're trying to avoid resentment, but also you're trying to turn it into a teaching opportunity. And so here they are, here, here are the, the seven steps to uh, uh, resolving conflict and, and fights in the home. Mm. And step one, actually, I think should go without saying, but maybe not. It's that when a kid comes to you with a problem or a fight, 
the first thing you should ask is, hey, Billy, did you do the five steps of being a peacemaker? That a lot of times resolves the problem just like that, where Billy goes, oh, yeah, I, no, I haven't. And off they go. Yeah. So if somebody's bringing you a case, presenting a case to you of a fight. Sally's bothering me. Yeah, You can throw that case out if they haven't taken any steps on their yeah. own to resolve it. Otherwise, if you don't do that, if, if, if you instead accept these cases, what you're going to end up with are just little tattletales. Yes, Where, and you're going to be inundated, constantly resolving stupid things yeah, that because you I, shouldn't be involved with. Yeah, I tried that. I actually tried that once where I'm like, okay, I'm going to listen to everybody's fights. Mm-hmm. And it was horrible. I All of a sudden, all my kids started tattling. And it was I was inundated with little tattletales, tattletales, tattletales. And he it, got the milk out. He's and, in the fridge. Yeah, She's and so and yogurt. that's where the hey, I don't want to hear it anymore. I don't want to hear it. You know, so I'm you just sw- gonna, the pendulum kind of swung the other way. Yeah, and instead, it works so much better when that happens. Go, wait a minute, you can't bring this to me unless you've done your part of trying to solve this mm. first, and and that cuts down on all those, all the tattling. Yeah. And so it's a very important step. Hey, what have you done to try to resolve well, no, this? Have it, you done but it the is steps? The, Hannah, it is their problem. And they should be taking responsibility for it. And they should be applying these the, the steps of being a peacemaker. That's what you want. You want to teach your kids that. Like, that's such a good thing. And it's empowering to them as well. So that should be the first question. When someone comes to you with a fight, say, well, uh, did you follow the five steps of solving the problem on your own? And if they answer no, all you do is say, okay, well, go follow the five steps and try to resolve your own problem. Because it, it does. It, it teaches the kids to think about how to be peacemakers and problem solvers instead of little tattletales. Yeah. And they'll have a better uh, relationships throughout. Okay. They'll have better relationships throughout their whole life if you can encourage them to do this. Like this will be a life changer for the rest of their lives because instead of thinking tattle, immediately it'll be like, how can I resolve this? What would the world be like, Hannah, if everybody employed that? Very good. Be, be better. Very so, good. And if they don't remember the five steps of being a peacemaker, just go over it with them. You know, just remind them real quick. Hey, uh, say what you want or, or say how you're feeling. Say what you want. Suggest something else. Uh, you go away. And if there's still a problem, then you can come get me. You know, just just remind them because it's, it's really easy. Okay. But if for whatever reason, those five steps don't work, and, you know, you overhear a nasty ruckus and it's time for the court of mom and dad to convene. Then it's time for a court case. And here they are. Here are the seven steps to resolving fights in the home. And uh, I'll just go over them real quick. And they are, number one, got to get the facts. Number two, repeat the facts. Number three, give a chance for rebuttals and clarification. Number four, uh, give a verdict and final judgment. Number five, collect a fee if necessary. Number six, a teaching moment. and Make it a teaching moment. And number seven, escalation prevention. So we're going to kind of go over those real quick here, where the first step is when there's, when there's an unresolved fight and it's now entered into the realm of the court of mom and dad. Mom and dad are the, are the judges and jury and executioner here. And the kids, they agree that that's how it's going to be. Hey, and I'll, and I'll even ask the kids, okay, well, you want me to resolve this? I will ask the kids that. When they come to me with a problem and I'm like, first of all, I'll say, have you done the five steps? I'm like, yeah, I did the five steps. It didn't work. I'm like, okay, well, do you want me to resolve it? And a lot of times that's enough for them. I'm like, never mind. No, I can think, I think I can figure it out. <laughs> because they know I will go and I will follow these seven steps. And they may not feel like their case is strong enough for them to <laughs> or win. There may be a little guilt there. And they know, like, um, mm. I may be complicit in this. So I don't want my dad to, to solve this. But so there are other times, Hannah, where they're like, yeah, I do. I want you, dad, here, there's a wrong going on. Yeah, and sometimes they're and, like, I need you to resolve this. And I, I, need I need your help so, resolving this. And so what we'll do is step number one is we got to get all the facts. And that's where we sit down. And again, we talk about this. This may, be seem like a, this may seem like a little more time-consuming to begin with initially, but this will pay major dividends in the future where you'll have fewer and fewer fights in the home, especially after you start implementing uh, th- this process and your kids understand how it works. And the fights will dwindle and dwindle and dwindle until they'll be very rare. And that's been our experience. 
So first step, get the facts. And that's where you, you basically, it's the fact finding, get, you interview everybody involved. You interview the person complaining, you got the, the plaintiff and the defendant, but also you, anybody who witnessed what happened. And that's, and this is where you practice your active listening. Um, but I'll, Hannah, I have a couple rules and I do this. I, I tell the kids, I'll get all the kids and I'll, I'll whoever's involved, and I'll tell them, I'll, before we start, I'll say, okay, I'm going to ask each one of you one at a time. Nobody else can talk while one person is talking. And whoever it is that I ask, they're the only ones allowed talking. Because what will happen, Hannah, is it could become an argument right there in front of you where one kid is talking. Oh, he didn't say that. I said that. And this is, that's, but he took that. And so you say, no, no, no. Only one person talks at a time. And it's whoever I'm asking the questions. Everybody else is quiet. You'll have your turn in a second. But everybody else needs to be quiet. Okay, Johnny. You tell me what happened. And that's where Johnny gets a chance to say, I was playing with my toy and then so-and-so came over and took it away and I tried to get it back and he hit me over the head. Whatever. Okay, thank you, Johnny. Is that it? Yeah, that's it. And you're, you're act- And here's the thing, Hannah. You're actively listening. You're trying to make sure you understand their point of view and they feel like they've been heard and understood. Well, and the best way to do that is to listen to them and then recap what they were saying, what they were feeling, what they were thinking. Say, okay, so you saw this and you thought this and that's why you did that. Mm-hmm. And and then this is what happened. And that's called active listening. Um, and it seems like a dopey step. <laughs> but um, it's really important because it lets them know that they were heard. And that goes, it, Hannah, that goes um, a long way to diffusing the, the frustration right there. Because a lot of times fights are about, be, uh, about misunderstandings. And there's nothing worse than being misunderstood. That just, it's so frustrating. Yeah, when I was trying to figure out how to deal with fighting in the home because it had become a problem, I did this thing where I had to, I had the kids write a paper about what happened. I, I The kids that were old enough, I had them write a paper about the fight, mm. what happened and then what they should have done differently. And so I did this exercise for, for a couple months, I did this. And what I noticed is a lot of times it was actually a misunderstanding where the person, I would read the two papers and once I read the other person's paper to the other person, the other person would go, oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> and they had totally misunderstood each other, got mad at each other for misunderstandings where they just, they thought something was somebody else's or, yeah. and it was an honest misunderstanding. And a lot of, it, it's surprising how many fights are honest misunderstandings. Well, that's a, that was actually a really good exercise where you had them fill out the paper and it said, what happened? What could you have done differently? And I can't, do you remember all the things you had on there? It was really good. I thought yeah. it was really good. It, it, they had to explain what happened and what they they would have done differently. And well, the, or, but you talk about misunderstandings. We used this example uh, a few episodes ago where we were saying how Trixie was getting really mad at, and this is a fictional example, but Trixie was getting all mad at Tia because Tia was always making her late to class because she didn't get in the car in time, and they blah blah blah, and and. But Trixie never said that. Trixie was just getting mad at Tia. And it turns out that Trixie was upset because she was being late, getting late to class, not because they were, not because she was taking long to get in the car, because Trixie was getting marked low in her class and that was affecting her grade, which is affecting her uh, opportunity to get into the college of her choice. Whereas the other kid was like, she's just being mean to me. Right. Like, because Trixie hadn't vocalized. She won't talk again. to me in the morning and she's being mean to me. And, and all snippy. Um, and why aren't you in the car? Hurry up and get in the car. Quit playing with that, blah, blah, blah. Whereas, uh, it, again, in this fictional example, if Trixie had just said, hey, I, I'm getting frustrated because we're late and I'm going to get a bad grade in my class. But it was just a simple well, a misunderstanding. Times it was like, oh, I, I, she was, the other person a lot of times would think that they were mad about something that they weren't mad about. Right. That's how I knew it was a misunderstanding. They're like, they were mad because um, I stepped on her such and such. And really the other person was mad about something completely different. And it just ha- kept happening over and over again when they would write these papers where the other person actually had no idea why the other person was even mad. But we say that, Hannah. We, we've said this before where children are amazing observers, but horrible interpreters. They don't know what things mean. And so they just well, see somebody's mad and they're like, they think it means this, but it actually doesn't. It's something completely time, different. I mean, I'm not a little kid, but I, I, I sometimes assume people are thinking things about me 
Oh, sure. Or do things and I'm like, oh, they must think this or they must think that. I make a lot of assumptions about how, why people are acting a certain way. And, and a lot of times you're wrong. Yeah. And I'll be surprised. I'm like, they'll say something and I'm like, oh, I thought they totally thought something different or, you know, and it surprises me. I misinterpreted a look on their face or an action that they took. And so it can happen to anybody, really. And so, so yeah, getting their stories and and clarifying them and repeating back to them, and so their perspective. Yeah. So that that's step number one is get the facts. Make sure everybody has a chance to be heard, and that's key. And it's also important because then you can get a better idea of what actually happened because you weren't there. So you kind of have to rely on. And of course, children are the most reliable of all witnesses. Oh, wait, no. So the more information, the more clarity, and the perceptions of everybody involved, really helpful. The only other stipulation possibly is if there's a problem. What? I was going to say getting everybody's story is also really important. And like I said, if you're like me and you don't have a lot of patience, you may want to jump the gun and just make a verdict after you hear one person's story. Mm -hmm. I usually do. I want to, I hear one person's story and then all of a sudden I know what happened and I'm ready to hand out consequences. And I don't really feel like I need to listen to the other person. And that is a huge mistake because, uh, you know, you'll hear a sob story from someone and you'll get your panties all in a wad and, you know, you're, <laughs> you're ready to, you know, okay, you're in big trouble. But then if you take nine times out of 10, you hear the other person's story and all of a sudden it, it changes how you feel and it changes the situation. A man I know was serving as a pastor for a church and a lot of times people would bring marital problems to him. Which is common. And it's, it's, it is. It's common. And I once was talking to him and he said, you know, I learned early on, you all, there's always two sides to the story. He said, because when I first started, you know, somebody would, you know, uh, somebody would come to me and go, oh, my husband, this and blah, 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 blah. Blah, blah, and they'd tell me this horrible story, and I'd be like, "Oh my goodness!" I'm gonna kick you them know? out of the church. And yeah, then, we're, we're, ex- and we're them gonna and- excommunicate. <laughs> you know, and and I made the mistake many times of jumping the gun without listening to the other story. And he goes, "But after I after I'd been in this position for a while, I learned when somebody brings you an exciting story, I don't get excited." I go, okay, all right, well, I'm going to need to talk to the other person and 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 talk to them about what happened. Mm. And he goes, it, it, because it almost always changed the situation. You have two sides to every story. And so you cannot let yourself get jump the gun and get excited after hearing one person's story. And I have made that mistake so many times. I've made that mistake when people have complained about my children and... And gone, gotten mad at my kids without letting them defend themselves against somebody outside of the family. Yeah. And I've just, it's a problem because you always have to collect the other side. And this is for me, a reminder for me as well. So, so that's step number one. And hopefully we've kind of communicated how critical this is. Get the facts to the best of your ability. Get all the facts. Interview everybody involved, including witnesses. Do, practice active listening Uh, Don't let other people interrupt. Just make sure everybody gets a chance to be heard and understood one at a time. And in rare cases, sometimes you may need to do this in private, where if there was something that happened that maybe other people don't need to know about, that maybe you take people one at a time into a a private room and ask them what happened. But more often than not, and this has been my experience, Hannah, I like to just get everybody together, whoever's involved, and let them each listen to each other's different stories. Kind of like, you know, because yes, they are the defendants, but they're also their own lawyers, basically. And so they need to hear what is being said about them and what's true or not. The question about this is what happens if you don't get collect all the stories? What will happen? Oh, good question. Will you... Well, if you, if you don't collect, if you don't take the time to listen to everybody's story, what's going to happen? Well, you run into a problem. One, you make a verdict. And later you find out you were wrong and you have to like reverse it, give people back mm. their money. And and then people, you actually lose respect from, yeah, from sure. your yeah. kids. Well, no, future, future credibility will be shot. 
Yeah, where you're not a fair judge, basically. And whereas if you give them a chance to put their case in front of you and they know that they've been heard and considered, then they're more likely to accept the verdict. Whereas um, if you didn't listen, what happens is you collect a fee and the fighting in the court case continues on. Hmm. They tend to be appealing the court case. Over and over again. uh, Because you didn't listen and it results in needing an appeal. Yep. And and so then it ends up wasting more of your time and then you end up having to listen to the story anyway. Either that or you have your kids resenting you because yeah. you didn't listen. Because you were an unfair judge. Yeah. So, but that leads right into number two, which is now you after you've collected all the information, now you're going to get everybody together and say, okay, this is what I understand happened. And you repeat the facts as far as you understand it. So after everybody's finished explaining their stories, repeat back to them what they said so that you can make sure, A, you heard and understood correctly, but also make sure there's no additional information, nothing's missing. And this gives them the chance to hear what was being said so that they can respond because that's step number three, where you give the kids an opportunity to clarify or to even openly rebut something that's been said where maybe the two stories conflicted or, or the, they didn't match. You know, Johnny said that uh, uh, Sally took his car and hit him with it. And Sally says, no, I, yes, I took the car, but I didn't hit him with it. So which is it? And Johnny will say, okay, she didn't actually hit me with it, but she wanted to. Okay, Johnny, thank you that for the clarification. Or maybe Sally will say, okay, yeah, I didn't hit him with it, but I did throw it at him. Whatever. So that way you can clarify, make sure you have a clear, and a lot of times the, the truth will kind of come out and it'll, you'll have a pretty good idea of what the truth is as you get to step three. And if not, well, I guess we'll talk about that in a second, but that leads into step number four. After you've heard the rebuttals and the clarifications of step three, step four is to give a verdict and a final judgment where now you have all the facts, at least as, as to, the, to best of your degree, uh, uh, the best of your ability. And once you've heard all the responses and, and the facts and the, and the rebuttals, you got to make your decision who's at fault. Now, Hannah, there have been times where there's not enough evidence, and I'll use the phrase, not enough evidence to convict. Um, and what do you do there? And we've, we've, I've struggled with this personally because as, I, as a kid, we were, we were assumed guilty. In my family... I was always assumed guilty until proven innocent, which is kind of the opposite of our legal system. But in my family growing up, uh, I was always assumed guilty. And so if nobody confessed, and if there was no evidence to acquit, then anybody who was there was punished. And it was this big group punishment. And boy, that, I'm going to say that, that engenders a lot of resentment. I hate that style of, of court case, whatever you call it. Like say you arrest five people for the vandalism of a store and there's no evidence who did it. So you throw all of them in jail. Like, wait, what? Yeah. You guys all go to prison for 30 days because we can't decide who did it. Like, but we know one of you did it. One of you did, but we don't want to, we don't want to let any people go free that are guilty. So all five of you are going to prison for 30 days. And it's like, wait, what? How would that play? Right. But that was my experience well, growing up. Well, you also had forced confessions. Well, and well, that, <laughs> that well, that's just it. So, that, well, no, that, so you have this option, and this uh, was it, where you could, here's a, here's a solution. Uh, if you're about to give your verdict, but there's not, and you need to give a judgment, but there's not enough evidence to convict, you have two options. You can either punish everybody, or you can tell, and I had this experience too, where they're like, okay, the parents said, you guys go, and one of you did it, and you, I'm going to give you 20 minutes and you guys go figure it out who's who did it because if not if you guys don't come up with a, uh, somebody who did it then I'm going to punish all of you. And five minutes later, one of them comes back and says, oh, "I did it." You know, like, okay, thank you for telling the truth. You give them the punishment, only to find out, you know, weeks or months later that they didn't actually do it. They just confessed because they wanted to get this whole thing over with. So now you've punished an innocent person. You've got a forced confession and resentment. Like it just. Neither one of those options are good, either a forced confession or punishing everybody. Neither one are good. Hannah, and I had that experience where someone broke my phone. They, they, it looks like someone had shot a hole in the screen. As an adult, as an adult, somebody. Yeah, sorry. Uh, uh, recently, like in the past couple of months, somebody 
shot so my fast bro- forward yeah, to fast you for- being a parent. Fast forward to me as a, a parent now of 15 children, and someone had broken my phone. And I got really upset about it. I'm like, hey, guys. And I held it up, and I said, somebody broke my phone. It, it, clearly, it wasn't an accident because of the way the way it was broken. Someone had had done it and then carefully put it back on my desk broken. They took it off my desk, broke it, and then put it back on my desk already broken. And I knew someone knew they did it, and I held it up, and no one admitted. And it really it made me sad. And nobody said, nobody pointed a finger, nobody confessed. And I'm like, okay, well, I have two options. Either I can punish everybody because somebody's got to fix it, right? So I'm like, all right, everybody pay me $5 and everybody gets punished. Or I, I, I just accuse, okay, I think it was you and make them confess and then I get a false confession. Like neither one of those options are good. And so what do you do? What do, what do you do in a situation like that? And this really, it, it hurts to say this, but you have to let them go. You, just, you have to let it go. Where if you don't have enough evidence to convict, you have to let it go. And here's the neat thing. Liars will eventually get caught and it will become abundantly clear who the problem is eventually. But at the time, you have to let it go. And if you keep, and here's the neat thing, if you keep using money pants, your kids will develop that integrity. And they may even come to you much later and say, you know the phone? Yeah, I did it. And I actually had that experience recently where one of my children in a fit of, frustration, threw something in the kitchen and broke a light switch. And this child of mine, which is just so awesome, came to me and said, Dad, I broke the light switch and I need to pay for it. Let me know how much it costs. Before I even saw the light switch, before I knew it was broken, they came to me because of that level of integrity that they had developed. And this is not a very old kid of my family. And they already had that level of integrity of, I did something wrong. I'm going to do the right thing. And I was so pleased, so pleased. Well, I, and that's, I what, always, that's our goal. Yeah. My, my dad did a really good job of teaching us to be honest because he made it very clear that, hey, if you break something or do something, if you're honest about it, he would be so kind and go, okay, well, come, let's go fix it. Mm. Or let's go, let's go do this, uh, you know, and, and he Boy, wouldn't be hard. upset. And because, because he did that and I saw that, I trusted like, hey, I can tell the truth. And even when it, you know, I'm nervous or I know I did something, I made a big mistake. I can tell him and he won't and fly off the he handle. He won't fly off the yeah. handle. And instead we'll, we'll just fix the problem. And so I don't know how he had that self-control to do that, but it really... That was the best way of de- helping the kids develop the confidence to be honest. But boy, he did not like it if we lied. Yeah. He was now we would if we, it was found out that we had lied about something, then we were in oh. big trouble. And we'll talk about we'll talk yeah. about a solution then, for that here. Then in a there was a series, so we knew that whatever happened, it would be much less of a problem if we were just honest. And uh, but if we lied. That was when my dad would get ticked off. Okay. So, so first step, get the facts. Second step, repeat the facts back to everybody. Third step, rebuttals and clarifications. Fourth step is verdict and final judgment. If you can't, if there's not enough evidence to convict, you got to let it go and trust that it will. the ship will right itself as you go on and teach your kids these morals and values and they develop that integrity. But if there is enough evidence and you found out who the guilty party is, or parties, because sometimes it takes two to tango, then you need to do a final judgment and say, okay, um, child A, you are at fault here for yelling and for attempting to hit and hitting, and child B, you're at fault for teasing. Yeah, and ideally, as we talked about in the family council section, you'll have some rules, family rules written down, and as the judge, you can refer to the law. Yeah, ideally, and yes. You have this not, all written down. You're not down. just making this up. No, we as a family decided that hitting, this is the consequence. We as a family decided that this is against the rules and, you know, is is a fee, you know. And so that's the consequence. And you have it already set up. It's not you just that's ideal. Um, thinking of something at the moment and, yeah. and pulling out random, you know, consequences. And that's when you, and also you need to explain why 
you made your decision. Hopefully it'll be obvious, but if it's not, explain why and how you arrived at the decision. Well, you know, you said this and you said this, but I have these two witnesses that both saw you throw the, throw the toy at Sally. So I know you said you didn't, but I have two witnesses that say you did. And, and there's a mark. Yeah. So, <laughs> so that's, that's why, two. that's why I've decided that you did in fact throw that toy at her. And then let the kids know your decision is final and that any arguing at this point will result in an additional fee because you've already, they've already had the opportunity to be heard. You've already given them the opportunity to make their case. Yeah, they, you gave them the respect and courtesy of listening to them. And now they need to give you the respect and courtesy of, of accepting the verdict. And at that point, you need to, and this is the fifth step, then you need to collect the fee. And I, Anna, we say fees should be rare and used sparingly only in extreme cases. And this would be a perfect example of when to use a fee. This should not be happening multiple times a day or even multiple times a week. This should, should, this should be rare. But at this point, you should have them say, okay, go and collect, go get, go get your dollar, go get your $5, whatever the fee is for your family uh, from, your, from your fund money and bring it to me in cash. Remember, it's got to be cash. Fees are only effective when they're in cash. Because, and we did that whole, you know, the power of cold, hard cash. Um, when you're departing that hard-earned money, there's that, those little pain centers in the brain go off when you're handing over that cash. Um, and, uh, and then going back to your point earlier, Hannah, if it comes out that they lied, then, and it was a blatant lie, and it was, it was proven that they lied, that's when maybe it's a good time to uh, double, double the fee. Because now, there's not two only, offenses. yeah, there's two offenses. They fought, which is a fee. And then a second fee for for lying, and you should be very strict on that, where there should not be any lying allowed, especially if it makes it to the point of being in the court of mom and dad. No lying, but they shouldn't be lying anyway. You want them to develop that integrity, but really, if if it comes out that they've lied, that it's so easy, double the fee. And there it is. Now you have if if your fee is is one dollar, well, it just doubled to be two dollars. So now they need to pay a total of three dollars. One dollar plus two dollars is three dollars. So. And then here's the cool part. Step number six, turn it into a teaching moment. When, <laughs> when they hand you the money, so they go off to go grab their fun money, they come back, they hand you the money, you ask this really dumb question, okay, what's this for? They're handing you money and you ask them back, hey, what's this money for? Why are you handing me $3? And you think, you think it's a stupid question, but it is not. Because a lot of times they don't know. Okay. A lot of times they'll give the wrong answer. Yeah. Well, because my husband would do this and I would kind of like roll my eyes, you know, (laughs) thinking, okay, why is he wasting time asking them what's this for? And it just surprised me how many times the kids like thought it was for the wrong, like had the wrong assumption. Almost almost every time where (laughs) I'll have them go get a dollar. They'll give me a dollar. Say, what's this for? And they'll say, for talking. No, but is it okay to talk? Yeah. Then why am I charging you a fee for talking? I don't know. Think really hard. Oh, because you told us not to. There we go. So what's this for really? Disobedience. There you go. The fee is for disobedience, not for talking. Nothing wrong with talking. It's for talking when we were in the middle of something and you weren't supposed to be talking. See the difference? And So you turn it into a teaching moment because... Like I said, Hannah, a lot of times kids are great observers, but not great interpreters. And they don't understand why things are happening. Yeah. And so you well, need to ask like, them that question. Uh, yeah, What's this you'll for? ask your six-year-old, What's this for? Uh, it's because I was on the swing and I wasn't supposed to. And you're like, no, it's because you kicked your brother. <laughs> 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 you're not allowed hitting somebody else. <laughs> so you want that oh, step. Oh, and they're like, oh. So step, and they do it, the the eyes light up. Oh, that makes more sense. So that's step number six is a teaching moment where you ask the question, what's this for? And then once they answer the question, you say, uh, you're going to redirect. So it it reminds me of the the, the, uh, Train Yourself to Train Your Kids podcast we did about Brandon McMillan, that dog trainer guy, where once you accept the fee, and this was for, you know, like you said, Hannah, for kicking your brother, you say, what should you have done instead? So you've now, you've now told the child that's a no. You've collected a fee from them, and now you turn it back on them and say, what should you have done instead? You redirect their focus into what they should have done. Yeah, so the conversation, uh, the main focus of the conversation should be 
on what to do. And th not this is where you want to end up. When you get to the court of mom and dad, this is the point where you want to end up. As quickly as possible, you want to get to the teaching moment where everybody knows what to do. But you can't get there if you didn't follow yeah. the other steps. So you gotta, if you, you didn't gotta follow listen, the other five if steps. If you didn't listen to both sides of the story, you you can't do this step. Yeah. And so it's this wasted opportunity. So, um, and so then you ask, what should you have done instead? So in the future, if this happens again, the kid knows what to do. And if and here's the thing: if they're unsure what they should do uh, and what they should have done to handle the situation, it's a great opportunity to explain it and say, well. And remind them. And, and this helps them realize that you're rooting for them. You don't want, and you can say this, I don't want to collect any more fees from you. You're actually pulling for them. And they know it. And it's really cool to watch and, and to be involved because they know you love them and you care about them and you want what's best for them. And you're more interested in helping them do better in the future. So uh, you want this to be a, a positive and a great moment. Um, and sometimes it doesn't work out. And the kids just see they because they're so mad they got caught or they get, they're getting punished or whatever. And there will be this the look of revenge. And you know it because <laughs> you'll see it. And you're going to have to remind them, say, well, you know, I, I see that you're still angry at Johnny for telling on you for hitting him. But I see the mark on his face. And according to everybody, he didn't do anything wrong. You just stole his toy. He, and he asked for it back and you checked it out and hit him in the face. I, I see that you're angry at him still. Because you got a fee, which means you're not going to be able to watch the movie this weekend, blah, blah, blah. If you continue this behavior, the fee is going to double. So this punishment is going to double. And I suggest, you know, maybe you eat or take a break, um, go take a rest, do something to get help you calm down, go to get a drink of water um, so that you avoid an additional fee. And again, we, we use fees in money pants sparingly, so they should have a lot of power and a lot of weight, and they should also be associated with rewards. And we talked about layering rewards. They should be associated with special privileges, where only the children who don't get fees get these special privileges. And in our family, Hannah, we use movie night. Friday night is movie night, and if you didn't get any fees during the week, you get to watch. And it really does go a long way to, to helping kids go, oh, I don't want any fees during the week. So that's step number six, is, is turn the whole thing into a teaching moment. Redirect. Tell them, no, what you did was wrong, but here's what you could have done better. And make sure they understand that and have them explain it to you. And it, it works really well. And then the last step is number seven. And it kind of goes with that whole revenge thing we just mentioned where escalation prevention. Where number seven, if your child wants to continue the fight even after you've warned them against it, and you collect another fee, and maybe now they've maxed out their fees, then they go to their room. It's only three fees and you're out. You know, you get three fees max per day, and then you're done. And all activities and privileges for that day are canceled. As soon as you collect that third fee, that's it. They're, they're relegated to their room for the remainder of the day. There's no, there's no scouts. There's no soccer practice. There's no youth group activity. There's, there's nothing for that, for that night. That for the rest of the day, they're done. And interestingly, you're thinking, well, that's so harsh. No, it's, it's not. not. And I learned this the hard way. It's actually merciful because first off, you, it, we have it so you limit the, the fees and punishments to three yeah. for the day. Three strikes, you're yeah, out. We borrowed that from baseball. Three strikes, you're out. So, so there's a limit. We, we, we try to limit Well, no, otherwise it. you could just keep giving fees and doubling it and doubling <laughs> it. And pretty soon your kid owes you like $200 and everybody's angry. Yeah, and... I, I, I did that once. It doesn't work out well. <laughs> Maybe we should just do a podcast about everything we've done wrong. Yeah, yeah. I, um, so, so, yeah, don't do that. That's a bad idea. So limiting the number of fees, that works well. And then... But uh, actually, but that the... in and of itself is an act of mercy because it gives the kids an out and you, the parent, an out. And you're like, you know what... I, it's just, it's gotten too bad. Today's been a bad Today's day. Today's been a rough it's day. It's been a rough day. You should go and rest in your room. It's just yeah. for whatever, and everybody has those days. Yeah. Uh, anyway, but it's merciful because I found that, you know, when I was a younger mom, if if I had a kid that was acting up, getting in fights at home, getting into all sorts of trouble, being disrespectful and, you know, out of control and, oh, but they have this activity or they have this sport thing. Oh, they can't miss it. And I'd, I'd go, okay, all right, I'll take them to that anyway. Because mm -hmm. they're like, oh, please, can I go? Oh, okay, fine, I'll take you. 
even though they were rotted the rest of the day. Yeah, nine times out of 10, they would get in trouble at that activity. They'd get in a fight with their friends. They, they'd be acting up for the teacher. Or the and, coach. And then it would ruin their relationships that they had worked so hard to build up. Yeah. And so I found that, you know what? If somebody's in that bad of shape at home, it's not a time to take them to other outside activities. It's it's time. It's you got to call a timeout for that day. Well, Hannah, we discovered that a long time ago. That if if our children can't handle things at home in a calm and peacemaking manner, it's actually a disservice to them to let them go out into social situations because it always, like you said, almost always ends badly. Yeah. Now, if you think it's because your kid just needs a nap. If you can pick up on that before they get the third fee and just put them for a nap, that's <laughs> ideal. Because yeah, it could just or they be need to that, drink or they need to eat. Yeah, or... try to try to do those interventions that you think might like. If you're like, oh, he's you know, my kid has hypoglycemia, and they calm down once they eat. Try to to after the first fee. Maybe um, one thing that worked well for me when I had a kid like that is I if they got a fee, I said, hey. But I will give you points if you go get a drink of water and eat something right now. I'll pay That's you. a redirect. I'll pay you to go yeah. do this and 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 calm down give for them ten something minutes. To do. If you do that, yeah. I will pay you for that. And so focus it back on to rewarding them. And that's quick points. For and we taking have care of it. Or if you're like, hey, if you go rest in your room for thirty minutes, I'll pay you. Mm-hmm. This, 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 you know. And all of a sudden, you have them redirected yeah so so if you don't want to change the energy so you're too. you're in a situation where you're about to give out three fees in quick order and that kid's really upset try to when you charge the first fee try not try to leave a break in there and and try to redirect it so instead of thinking revenge 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 they're now focusing on taking care of themselves getting themselves put back together this is just so common after you've handed down a verdict and a punishment for something that somebody's done and they want to get revenge and they're still seething and they're still upset this is how to avoid that where and it is it's actually an act of mercy for for them and it, it's very yeah, but yeah. So 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 offer them rewards to do the things that maybe will prevent a a, a second fight coming on mm-hmm. quickly, which could be a nap, food, whatever. But then if they do, in fact, if if they just won't quit, call it a day. Yep. Call it a day, it's and been a rough day. and it will it'll be better for them, better for their relationships if 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 you stick with them. It's actually a merciful thing. So that, that's it. Those are the seven steps. And just to kind of recap, step the seven steps of resolving fights. Number one, get the facts. Number two, re- repeat the facts so that everybody knows exactly all, the, all the, the details of the case. Number three, allow for clarification and rebuttals. Step number four, give your verdict and a final judgment. Step number five, collect a, a fee if necessary. Um, or fees, depending on what was going on. And number six, the, the key was, you know, make it, turn it into a teaching moment and, and redirect that energy. And then number seven, uh, do your best to prevent escalation and make sure that uh, whoever was found guilty or was given a punishment or whatever, that they have uh, uh, an outlet for their energy and or maybe just to go away. So... Um, and that, that's kind of it for the, the seven steps. But I wanted to, before we close up, I just wanted to mention a couple other tips that we came up with for reducing fighting. Because we've done, like I said, we've covered this a couple of times now. And we here here's just a few quick tips. One would be make sure you hold family counsel. And as you mentioned, Hannah, where you have family rules, that's where you should be writing down the family rules. You should be sending them an email form. Everybody should be clear what the family rules are so there's no confusion when... There's yeah. a, there's a, the court of mom and dad comes due. Um, well, family counsel goes a long way to preventing fighting right. and making it sh- so you don't have chronic fights about the same thing. It also brings unity into the home. It, yeah. it, it serves a lot of purposes. We did two podcasts on that. One was called Experts Answer 13 Questions About Family Counsel. And the other was the nuts and bolts of holding family counsel. Yeah. Those and are both great. This is where you resolve problems. Yeah. And so you don't have a lot of the fights that you would have had otherwise. Another suggestion would be to make sure that you incorporate spiritual goals 
into money pants, you know, like the desire to be a peacemaker. And we talk about that in uh, the podcast, how to achieve your goals faster than ever. Yeah. Well, well, when you say spiritual, you're like, okay, you want to make goals where you have the desire to try to do the right thing. Where if your kid doesn't have the desire to do that, they're way more likely to yeah. to fight and not think twice about it. And we also did that. Well, we just did that podcast last week about clever devils, the importance of having values and morals integrated into whatever goals you're making for yourself and, and the, the education you're giving your children. And then we also have the podcast, Six Ways to Create a Healthy, Balanced Meal of Habits, where we talk about that a little bit. And then another suggestion to, to help reduce fighting would be to incorporate physical goals into money pants, you know, including better eating and sleeping habits, because those go a long way. Yeah, when you're exhausted, you're way more likely to get in a fight. Or when, when you're really you're... hungry, when you're hypoglycemic, when you're when you're um, really thirsty, whatever, whatever it may be. And so we actually did the podcast, Put Your Darn Kids to Bed, where that goes, Hannah, Hannah, we've, we've said it over and over again, can't say it enough, kids need more sleep than they traditionally get. Well, for some reason, our society has really downplayed the importance of sleep and kids need their rest. And then the last suggestion we had was, you know, watch and pay attention and be choosy about what media is being consumed in the home. And we did that uh, podcast, Why Parents Should Own and Control All the Media in the Home. And that, Hannah, I don't think I will ever change my mind on that one. That one has been such a big one in our home where what kids see and what they eat and what they partake of when it comes to media really dictates their behavior because they model what they see. And if they see bickering and if they see fighting, if they see that they think that's normal and disrespect, they're going to model that. So watching what you allow into your home as far as media goes, that goes a long way to resolving fights and, and reducing fighting in the home. And that's it. Those are all of our suggestions on uh, ways to resolve fights and specifically the the re- recap of you know the, the the five steps of being a peacemaker but then the seven steps to resolving fights in the court of mom and dad and that's it that's all we have to say about those things if you like what you hear in this podcast please tell your friends they may want to listen to we may share something that they're actively looking for and if you have a suggestion for a future podcast go to our website under support click contact us send us an email and we'll get right on it and that's it for today Enjoy some of Falcon Jasper's jammin' jukin' jumpin' jazzy jives. We'll see you next time.